Hey guys, welcome back to the Finding Your Freedom podcast. I'm so excited that you guys are here with me and so excited to share today's episode. Today's guest is Madeline Moon, who I've been listening to her podcast since maybe September of 2018. And It's really been a constant for me since then um, and been so transformational in my own growth and process and yeah, it really was just a dream to be able to have her on the podcast. So I am so excited to share this interview with you guys. Um, We go all into emotions and creating containers for them and Maddie kind of shares dynamics in her life that precipitated her being closed off emotionally and kind of what that healing process was when she gave a space to be in her feminine, which that isn't gender, that is an energy, and to allow her emotion to exist. And I since I started listening to Maddie's podcast, I, I've i just related to her so much in the way that I grew up and how shut off I was from my own emotions and just how healing for perfectionism, being in my feminine and the chaos and the emotion and the messiness and leaving all the space for that to exist Um, how healing that has been for me. So, yeah, I'm so excited to share this episode with you guys. As far as life updates, uh, still in Boston, still settling in. And if you guys follow me on Instagram, you know I'll be adding a video soon on an article I'm presenting at work on how the immune system plays a role in childhood trauma and how that later translates into psychiatric issues. So I'm really excited to share that with you guys and just have a lot of projects that are on my mind that I'm really excited to come out later this summer and into the fall, different courses and virtual meetups and things like that. So be on the lookout for that. And I just wanted to give you guys a reminder to leave a five-star review for this podcast if you've been listening, if you like it. And if you write a written review and DM me on Instagram, I'll send you a voice memo back just giving you all the compliments and love that you deserve. So yeah, rate the podcast. (laughs) All right, let's get into the episode, and I will tell you a little bit about Madeline. Madeline Moon is a walking permission slip, committed to radical truth-telling in her top 50-ranked podcast, coaching practice, and her various teaching platforms. Her soul, being both really old and quite young at the same time, allows her to access wisdom beyond the present society and catalyze it into digestible earthy knowledge for the modern woman and men. Madeline is on a spiritual quest to reveal the art of embodying opposite elements across every spectrum. Water with fire, mystical with realism, alchemy with presence, alpha with omega, and light with dark. She knows there is no better metamorphosis than that of learning to welcome the entire human experience. While the shedding of a skin may be a deep process, there is no need to make it so serious. Madeline believes humor is one of the highest levels of spirituality and is committed to revealing how spirituality can be rich with pleasure, play, intimacy, sensuality, and innate freedom. Her work and story has been featured in hundreds of podcasts as well as various publications such as BBC, The Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Thought Catalog, 
Nylon Magazine, The Daily Mail, Vice, Greatest, Men's Health, People, and ABC News Nightline. She's hosted the popular podcast Mind Body Musings for six and a half years, ranking in the top 50 of all time in the U.S. and Great Britain in self-improvement. Such such an amazing person, such an amazing bio. One last thing I wanted to say before getting into the episode is it was really cool recording with someone that pretty much has the same name as me. So that was a really uh, fun and juicy experience. And uh, Madeline and Madeline actually mean high tower, which is interesting. And we dive into that into the episode. But here you guys go. Enjoy the episode. I know you will. I am so excited. So the first question that I ask everyone um, is, what have you been finding your freedom from lately? Because it's the Finding Your Freedom podcast. Hmm. What have I been finding my freedom from lately? Well, I have been feeling more free than I probably have in the last year and a half. And I've loved the adventures that I've been going on in New York City and uh, getting to know that city and how fast it is and how many adventures you can go on in any single day and um, learning how to create a lifestyle of coaching and podcasting and acting and social life and all the things. And it was so much fun, but very quickly it became challenging energy wise for me to feel free within the 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 constant accessibility to all the things in New York City and now because of the pandemic and the quarantine I have found myself in upstate New York completely surrounded in nature with no plans that's really the thing I've been looking at is how much freedom I feel within having no plans and really knowing what are the plans I actually would like to have at this time, having a complete blank slate of the calendar and being in nature and waking up amongst the trees. Literally I'm in an airstream. So I'm inside of the forest every morning when I open my eyes, I just see trees and deer. And the only plans I have are plans for my business. And outside of that, everything else is intuitive. What do I feel like doing And from that space, I've been able to see what is it post-pandemic I would like to get back to and then leave the things that really don't truly serve me and come out of that desire of, or not even a desire, come out of the place of should. So I've really been enjoying that and finding a lot of freedom within that space. Yeah, it it feels so healing to kind of hear that perspective because I I feel like we've been in this time of you know, great polarity of people feeling very not free, but I've also been, I guess I've experienced not feeling free. And I've also experienced that freedom that you're talking about of, you know, I have a blank calendar and what, what are the things that I actually miss? Like, what are the things I actually crave? And I think in this time too, I've, I've craved nature so much more than I have in a while. It's, you know, it doesn't feel like a proper day if I'm not like sitting in the grass at the park near my house. Like it mm. feels so, so needed right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel very fortunate to be 
so I mean there's a beautiful lake I'm looking at and there's just trees and I saw a snake this morning that was exciting um yeah so I feel very fortunate and and when I was in the city during the quarantine I I also felt moments of freedom in that too inside of my little container you know the our apartments and the constraints that we do have can be limiting at times and then also it's a safe haven for for those of us who are in safe haven positions i fully understand that not everyone is in a great quarantine environment and my heart goes out to those people absolutely definitely i think it's it's been such a time of you know allowing yourself to feel you know, whatever comes up and the loneliness and everything associated with that. But also, like you said, your heart kind of going out to the people that are in, you know, really awful quarantine environments or in the hospital or, you know, the multitude of things that people are dealing with right now. Absolutely. But so I kind of wanted to get into a little bit of your story. I, but more, I guess like a quick, a quick and dirty version And kind of diving into the theme of how embracing the feminine helped with healing perfectionism. Hmm. Yeah, so the quick and dirty version of my story is that I was grown, I grew up in an environment that was not conducive to feeling feels, especially ones that we now identify as. negative. They're not negative at all, but in my household, they were considered that especially upset or anger, frustration. These are all emotions that I was not allowed to feel, and I was not allowed to feel them directed towards anybody, especially my parents. So I wasn't allowed to be mad at my parents. You know, the terrible twos turned into like uh, the obedient twos. Most likely, I don't really remember, but that was the upbringing that I had of being a good Christian child, a good girl. My last name really is Moon. So I would grow up hearing all the time, hold true to the Moon reputation. And I didn't know what that meant when I was four, when I was five, when I was 10. So I kept having this idea of of who I'm supposed to be dangled in front of me, but never fully understanding it on one hand. And then on the other hand, not having that exploration and the encouragement and exploration to find out who I am. So from birth and from childhood, there was a box that I was expected to live within. And due to also having OCD and to being a perfectionist and to um, having being raised to, to need to have such a strong measurement of control, I needed a way to cope. Long story short around that, I found myself addicted to exercise, counting every every step that I took every day, every calorie I burned, every calorie I ate. I found safety in numbers and I fell into eating disorders and then bodybuilding. And what I was doing, there it's it a million fold, really. There were so many reasons I was doing what I was doing. But what comes to mind for me now is that because I was raised in this household that was Christian and uh, when I say Christian, I, I don't mean what really the pure version of Christian is and Christianity is because I'm diving deep into that now these days. And it's so beautiful how um, feminine rich Christianity really is and how women really were really were powerful. And it was only the Council of Nicaea later that got, that got together and gathered as a group full of men to make sure that women were were seen as um, over-sexualized and bad. And so that's the version of Christianity I was raised into. So going back to why I was finding myself so addicted to bodybuilding and making myself armored up, that I had these stories about the feminine being dirty, being weak, being uh, needing to be submissive, needing to be pretty and sweet and thin and all these messages And so I wanted to be one of the men. Every day I went into the gym, I felt like I was building uh, my right to be superior. So there was something going on around wanting to be one of the guys, wanting to soothe my ego, and wanting to be safe. Because if I felt if I looked like a guy and I sounded like a guy and I had physical armor like a guy and as little body fat as possible, maybe I'd be worthy. Maybe God would love me. Maybe I'd get it right. 
So I wanted to be one of the guys. And at the same time, I wanted to be a good girl. It's just everything that wasn't me. None of that. None of, if you listen to what I'm saying, nothing is about play, exploration, messiness, chaos, energy, emotion. All of that is the feminine. Literally every quality I just listed is what the feminine is. And that none of that was allowed. So I spent, after my second bodybuilding show, I spent seven years becoming who I am in this moment, sitting in this chair of going deeper into my emotion, going deeper into chaos, letting go of my white knuckled grasp on how people see me, on how control plays a role in my life, how I get in my own way going into the inner child work and finding my pleasure again within my body and my being and my interests. And as an adult in my 20s, discovering who I was in my, in my age of six, seven, and eight, nine, you know, 10, 11, 12, and giving myself that ability to feel those emotions again. So your question of how does the feminine soothe perfectionism Perfectionism is all about getting it right and being in the lines. The feminine is not what a lot of people will say. It's not like surrendering. It's not um, softness. Fuck that. It's not, it's not those things. That can be a part of the feminine. We can be soft in our feminine. We can surrender in our feminine. But what the feminine truly is, is uncontained energy because we're talking about polarities. So on one end of the scale, we have to have one extreme and on the other, we have the other extreme. So on this extreme, it's energy that's uncontained. And on the masculine side, it is contained. So we meet in the middle to create our own feminine and masculine synergies where we have our chaos, where we feel all the things and we're so expressive and we're sad and we're happy and we're confused and we're upset and we're, we're elated and like we're all these different emotions. And then we use our own masculine to summon that in and direct it into the world. Okay, I feel so much sadness, feminine. How can I direct that sadness into the world to make it better? So that's the masculine of then I'm going to channel it. I'm going to give it purpose. You soothe this idea of getting it right and being perfect when you go into the fields and you let it be messy and you let it be without reason or without logic. And then when the time is right, you learn how to channel that energy. But there is a very important um, aspect of the feminine of simply allowing yourself to feel without getting offensive or defensive or be logical about it or have any kind of direction to it and just simply be able to go into that state. So I'll stop there. <laughs> All of your words are just like, I'm just soaking them in. I'm like, oh, they just mm. feel so nice. It feels like a nice, warm, nice, warm hug mm. from the feminine. Um, I just, it, it just takes me back to um, kind of when I started this journey with myself um, at the end of 2018 and I found your podcast and um, I always grew up as a really a really emotional really sentimental child and I was you know also repeatedly told that's that's not okay mm. um, I, I spent a lot of time around men growing up as well and I had this mindset of okay let's let's be the chill girl the chill quote chill girl um mm -hmm. let's I guess I I didn't you know I wasn't involved in body um building but I was a surfer and it was mainly men so I felt like I had to be masculine and then my body was also objectified um through that as well and I, I can remember when I found your podcast and this message how much it changed everything for me to just allow all of my feelings to exist and all the, you know, to allow two completely opposite feelings to exist as well of, um, you know, excitement and also grief. Mm. Um, and it, it has made me so much more of a dynamic, um, 
just so much more me. And it feels so good to wake up and not be like, I have to be someone else. It's, you know, I I think you had a post at some point that was like, whatever comes up, make room for it. Mm -hmm. And that was just so nice for me because I think when you're controlling and perfectionist you're like today has to go this way and like I can't make space for sadness or chaos um so yeah it's just it's just been so it's been so nice and healing for me to hear your message and to kind of work through Mm. embracing the feminine Mm, that's beautiful that yeah people can end up in the same mindset in the same position, whether it's bodybuilding or surfing or it's being uh, really sentimental and emotional or not, you know, we can create the same stories and the same beliefs, even with very different experiences as children, we can end up in the same place of restriction and of control. And that phrase, whatever comes up, make room for it has completely changed my life. And there was a time when I had someone in my life that consistently needed to be the anchor to tell me that out loud. Like they were the one that they, cause they knew how quickly I could snap back into that. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed about this. Or why do I feel this way? Or what's coming up right now? I need to shut it, shove it down. And they would sense my body so well that they could see when I stopped breathing deep or when I started getting in my head and they would say, Hey, it's okay. Whatever comes up, make room for it. And then my whole nervous system would just relax and go into, oh my God, that's so true. Let me just go into this grief right now. And then that's when we can create containers around what we feel. I think that's a very important step as well that lots of time people skip over. It's designated feeling time. You know, it, we don't set dates with our emotions. We don't put on the calendar, okay, I've had this theme come up of frustration around my friend. Let me go into my bedroom, close the door, and then get a bat out and hit my bed like crazy and just let out all my anger and all my frustration and say all those profanity things that I wouldn't say in front of her face. Let me just set a date with that for 15 minutes where I just let it all out. That's how we get to feel our feelings intuitively. It's not by telling ourselves, oh, I'm feeling frustrated. So yeah, I should feel that. It's about embodiment. So literally embodying that frustration with your body and releasing it, going deep into it, touching it fully so that it can dissolve. Dissolve. So yeah, that's that's a really crucial step. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I, I think personally, I have actually been doing that and haven't and haven't thought of it in the way of that I was creating a container and giving it that language um, makes it actually gives me, it kind of soothes my nervous system because it's like, okay, I have this space and this time to go into this emotion. Um, And I feel like I've been very good about making space for grief and sadness with sad music and everything like that. Um, but frustration is ang- and anger is something that I'm currently working on making more space for and making time to, you know, punch my pillow if I need to or whatever, whatever comes up to make space for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for anyone listening that doesn't have a very strong intuition around when it's needed, because when you've silenced it for so long, what most people do is, well, I'll just wait till I feel like I need to do it. And the key from what I'm saying here is that your masculine energy, your alpha is required in order to say, no, I'm not going to wait until it just comes upon me. I'm going to decide to purposefully step into that emotion, that archetype, that character, so that when it does naturally come up, I'm not a victim to it or at its mercy. I've been training for this day. I know how to deal with it. So I will set times and I'm encouraging everyone to set times to go into that part of them that might be frustrated or angry without being angry first. Because it's there. Trust me. It's there. You've got 25, 30, 35, 40 or more years of that probably being suppressed and it's waiting to be experienced. And you can get a lot accomplished in your nervous system 
with 15 minutes of listening to Rage Against the Machine or Avenge Sevenfold or whatever floats your boat and letting out your expression by opening your jaw, letting sound come out, becoming a lion, like roaring, pounding your fists. And then I always recommend a closing song so you don't just drop yourself, but then something more emotional and soft. You can lie on your back, put your hand on your heart just to integrate all that emotion you just let out, all that roaring you just did. Give yourself a moment of nurturing afterwards to let it integrate because it, it can be a shock to the nervous system when you're expressive in a new way that was never, quote, allowed to happen or validated as a child. Your nervous system might be freaking out, to be honest. If you start feeling those emotions that have been shut off for so long, your nervous system might be like, oh, no, I feel anger, therefore I'm unsafe. So that's why we create containers with, with nice lighting and with the door shut so that you feel safe and held and maybe a sheepskin and essential oils that you can put in your palms when you're done to calm you, lavender. It's a whole sensory experience. Definitely. And I, I like the idea of having a, a pause afterwards to, to integrate. I think that's important, especially, you know, with, I guess, rage or sadness. It's, I kind of have a funny image of, you know, you're just pounding a pillow and then you go right back to like answering emails. Like there needs to be a, a step in between that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do do that. And it, <laughs> it is kind of cool. Like um, there, there are these events that I assist at. One of my teachers, his name is John Wineland and the other one is Kendra Kunov. And, and uh, I do assisting and these are like five hour days of, of like 7am till uh, midnight sometimes of assisting and, and working on putting up things and just holding space. And there are times when the emotion is so potent that I will have to fully just scream and pitch a fat and say, fuck you and this, fuck that, fuck that. And it's like a timed 90 second thing that my friend will hold for me and I'll start bawling. And then when I hear that little chime, then it's done. I'll be like, okay, all right, let's go. And that's like, that's, that's like, such a wonderful place to be to show that you can go into your feminine so quickly and be so responsive and then your masculine is so strong that it can say all right i'm done now so that is also a great place to work towards definitely and that's that's kind of an example of energetic agility right yeah exactly i really like that phrase it just sounds nice um exactly it does what's an example if you don't mind sharing um, you know, recently the past week or so where you've had to make a container for your emotions and kind of like, what was that process for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have little, I've, I've micro and macro, like there's little moments where I'm just like, Hmm, I can't be around people right now. And then I'll just go into another room to do whatever I was doing in that room. And that's just a small container of being like, this energy is too much. I need to be in a different energetic space. But when it comes to a container that I've had, I um, yeah, so I was doing, um, I'm in an interesting little environment here where I'm surrounded by people. We're all kind of quarantined together. So we've been doing uh, yoga together and I had this just like bubbling frustration doing the yoga with everyone and the way the teacher was saying the instructions and every move I was being critical and frustrated. Like probably my forehead was uh, like wrinkled and I had like a, like a scowl on my face. Like I'm sure I was embodying it and I could have just sat in there. I could have sat in that space the whole time and been bratty and sulky and closed hearted because what I needed to do and I knew what I needed to do was leave that room and go do a practice by myself with my own intuition guiding it. So that was ultimately the harder thing for me to do when I'm facing that story of being the good girl who, who can do the full yoga class and can be a participant and can join in on the fun. So all the stories come up at that time. The, the worst thing to do is stay in that group when it's against my body, when it's against my intuition. But the harder thing to do is to leave in your mind. Like that's like the hardest thing to do of, oh no, what are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm weak and I couldn't do the class or I'm a bitch for leaving? And I waited till I hit my edge. My edge was like, okay, this is too far. We got to go. And I just felt myself, my body just take over and gather my things and walk out. And 
silently dismiss myself saying, I'll see you later. And then go into a room by myself and I dimmed the lights and I put on the music I was really craving and I did a feminine yoga, which is yoga through feminine movement, which is basically swaying your hips throughout the warrior three pose and then like making everything a dance, a dance of expression, but still doing yoga. It's like combining the structure, the masculine with the feminine flow of what feels good. Oh, I'm going to do my, uh, my Shavasana, like while I'm still kind of moving and maybe singing a little bit, or I'm going to get up into child's pose and I'm going to rub my forehead on the earth and connect with mother earth and hum and sing. And it's more dancey. So that there was me setting this container and being my own protector saying, you can leave this class and not be a bad person. You can leave this class and be committed to the highest good. You can go listen to your own body's needs first and foremost, and love everyone in that group who was just doing yoga. The two truths truth can exist at the same time. And that container ultimately led me to being the best version of myself for that day. That container, I knew exactly what I needed. I'm well-practiced. My body was like, you need to be alone to get what you need in this moment. And then it's up to you and up to everyone listening at that moment to either listen and obey that inner calling, that inner voice, or, or not listen, but learn. It's okay if you don't listen to yourself. It's okay if you repress what you feel your intuition is saying. My encouragement is that you just learn from it gently. You know, observe what happened. Observe that intuition and what it was saying to you and observe how you fought it. And don't have judgment. Don't think that you're not well-versed in your intuition because that's not, that's not the truth. That's just a judgment and you trying to label that experience. Just be like a bird and fly up into the sky and look down at the whole picture of everything that happened and then see, hmm, how could I have set a container that would have felt really good in that moment and been with the discomfort of walking out of that room or saying the thing that needed to be said? Because anything that is coming from your intuition that's edgy is going to be uncomfortable. And that's good. You're facing the stories of mm, listening to myself means I'm bad. Because that's the story a lot of quote, good girls experience is when I step into my truth, I'm also bad and it comes at a cost. I lose love. I lose respect. I lose being the good girl. And that's good. That's when we reach our edges and start to do that nervous system healing. Definitely. I've also um, left a yoga class before and burst into tears like five minutes into the class. And I, I had all the same thoughts that you were describing of, oh my God, they're going to think I'm so rude if I leave. And I'm like, tears are starting to like roll down my face. And I'm like, I've, and it's like your, your body is like, I've got to get out of here. Like I need to go somewhere else and process this. Um, and not of a place of, you know, shame of like, they can't see me crying, but like, I need to, this isn't what is going to best serve me right now to be in this class. And it is scary to listen to it because I think to a certain extent, maybe it has some personality traits about us, about, you know, being the good girl and then also being like really caring. And um, I'm thinking kind of like in human design, having like a lot of open centers and being really like attuned to other people's feelings and not, I don't know, wanting to make them mad by leaving the class. But ultimately you, by following your intuition, it's, I feel like in a way it's healing all the times that, that you didn't follow your intuition. Yeah. What you feel in those moments, like when you were crying, you were coming up face to face with a choice of how you were going to see yourself as worthy or not. That all comes down to like that set intense amount of emotion we feel when we're battling what we need versus our fear of getting what we need is when we're saying, how worthy am I of this? And detaching from everyone else feeling what they need to feel. If the yoga teacher's pissed off, you left, you left. That's her right. That's her own experience that she has the full right to feel. I was that yoga teacher. I might've felt pissed off and that's my full right to feel it. So we have to stop thinking that we are responsible for other people's feelings. We are not, we are responsible for what we say, not what people hear. We are responsible for what we do but we're not responsible for how people feel about what we do. 
we don't want to rob them from that anyways. That's a part of their karma path. That's a part of their dharma. They need to experience all these feelings. Like her feeling frustrated that someone left the class teaches her about unattaching. It teaches her so many things. So yes, let's let her feel that feel. And, and it, that's why we do spiritual practices so that we do these things through love. You know, we can walk out of a yoga class and still do it through love. We can unattach what people from what people feel and what they think and do it with a kind heart. Yeah. I feel like when you're saying and describing different things, it's like podcast names are like popping into my head. Like uh, I remember one from like 2018 or something like why you're not responsible for other people's feelings. And it's funny. I'm like, Oh, I remember that podcast I listened to and that really helped me in that moment and um, helped me not feel so responsible for um, the way people hear what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too, there's, there's definitely two more things that I definitely want to get in. Um, but I'm kind of being, I guess, guided or called to ask you about this. I know you've talked about it recently and I, I think we've, we've messaged about it before as well. Um, the sense of, of not belonging in your family um, or they will never understand you um, and how that kind of relates to how that is part of your path. Mm, yeah, I did, um, I did an Instagram story on this yesterday because it's been coming up a lot for my clients and for women in my um, group coaching, this idea. So what I experience, what I see, I'll start here. I see that I'm I'm talking about women specifically, but this can be for men too. Women want to grow into certain places in their life and will do so only if they could get their parents to finally acknowledge it or validate it or allow it, quote, allow it, like energetically allowing it or love it. Like that's the big one. Like people want to grow and they also want their entire family unit to not just accept that growth, but love that growth and rally around it and support it. And this is such a primal need. And at the end of the day, at its core, this is in the root chakra of, am I safe? Am I safe? Because if you were not accepted in our way, 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 way back in our ancestral lineage, then you'd be neglected and you'd be burned at the stake. You'd have their throat cut. You'd be raped or sold or stoned. Like it's a big fucking deal. If you were not accepted or good or quiet or submissive, you'd be murdered. So that's why a lot of women struggle with speaking what it is that they want or who they are. We've done a lot of work on that throughout the years, but still relatively new for women to be able to be who they are and it be okay and then be safe and stay alive. And when it comes to our family unit, there's this distinction that I've seen. There are three phases of being a woman. There's the maiden, there's the mother, and there's the crone. And the maiden is that doughy-eyed, sweet, innocent, frolicking through the fields, long hair, free-spirited energy, The mother is coming to more fruition of knowledge and wisdom and letting go of some of the more egoic thoughts and needs and and really in her pleasure and birthing, birthing, birthing. She's catalyzing her life. She's catalyzing lessons. She's turning water into wine. And then the crone is the woman sitting on her throne who is full of wisdom and power and elegance, but doesn't need to do so much. She's literally on her throne all the time. She's a crone. Her body's old, but she's wise as fuck. She's the one the entire council comes to her to ask for her wisdom and her her guidance and her support, and she doesn't need to prove anything anymore. The maiden is the energy that people have, women have, whenever they're waiting for their parents to approve of them. It's the maiden saying, can I do this, mommy? Can I do this, daddy? Is this, is this okay? Is this all right? I'm going to keep frolicking and love what I do, but I'll never really fully accept it until you tell me it's okay to do it. What this instance is asking of us is to move into mother, where we are the mother. We are the ones. We go inward to ask ourselves, do we want this? And I believe that every spirit and every soul 
when we die goes up into the ether, big ball of conscious light where all the souls go and we all ponder, hmm, what lessons did I learn in my last lifetime? This one, this one, this one, this one, this one. What do I need to learn in my next lifetime? And as your little etheric soul ponders that, you choose a name that encompasses what that is. So Madeline, Madeline, our name, it means high tower. So we are here to be a tower in a sense. So like your soul and my soul, I just got goosebumps. When we're like up there, we're like, what do we, we learn all these things, but what do we need to learn now? We need to learn about, about seeing the big picture, about being a, a lighthouse, about being supportive to people. And that comes with shadows. Sometimes we separate ourselves from others. We're in our high tower. We're above people. So we got to learn how to be a tower and to be able to see the big picture and to be a lighthouse to people in times of need and also be in with them. And we, as little souls, also choose family units that are going to challenge that. So we choose family units that challenge our dharma, challenge our karma, or, or contribute to our karma. So this moment, whoever's listening to this, if you're like, man, if only my parents would accept that I'm a witch, or would love that I'm dating Paul, um, or would love that I'm denouncing my religion, or would love blah, blah, blah. If they don't support it, that's part of your path. You chose that name and you chose that family because you knew that stepping into that thing that they don't approve of is a rite of passage for you from maiden to mother. So you, you go out there and you learn how to be who you are, learn how to follow your own path, whether or not they support it, love it, worship it, like, and let them be who they are. There's a beautiful quote, or, or I guess word, amor fate, which means to love what is. And so that's the mindset I have. My father doesn't know shit about what I do. He doesn't know what my faith is, my spirituality, my work, my business, my experiences, nada. And I do that as an act of love because it would be abusive, honestly, for me to say, dad, here's all the things about me. And also they're like completely opposite of my dad. So it would be abusive for me to give him all of this stuff about me, knowing full well his nervous system is not open enough to accept all of that. His nervous system is pretty close. He knows what he knows and that is the only way. And so it would be abusive for me to come in and say, I'm all these things that you don't agree with. Now agree with it now to make me happy. He's not going to do that. It's going to lead to fighting. It's going to lead to me feeling smaller. It's going to lead to him frustrated and confused. So for me, the highest good is to be who I am. I'm not hiding. If he asks questions, I'll share. But be who I am without expecting anything and amor fate, loving what is, loving him exactly how he is, as the character he is, as the archetype as he, as he is, and letting that be because I am so confident that what I believe is real and enough that I don't need my parents or anybody else to say it is real. I know it's real. And that was my test and will continue to be my test and everybody else's test. Definitely. And um, the end of 2019 for me was really about about that. I had I had so many fights, so much back and forth with my parents on, I just want them to accept me. I just want them to understand me. I want them to be proud of me for doing this. And that just wasn't going to happen. They, they just, I had to accept my parents may never understand. My parents will never understand. And like you said, love them for what they are. And that has been so healing for me on setting the boundaries I need and them even having the boundaries they need and being able to just love them fully there. And I know we don't have a lot of time left, and, but I have, to, I have to ask you about this before you go. Um, I wanted to ask about kind of polarity in relationships and kind of embodying that. And if we have time, I really wanted to ask you about um, older men and why you're loving that lately. <laughs> what, what about polarity? What, what it is? 
Yeah, I guess we've kind of talked about the masculine and feminine, but a little bit of um, how that can look like in a relationship dynamic, like in how both partners can kind of play each pole mm. in a relationship. So going back to that thing we were talking about earlier, energetic agility, this was coined by London Angel Winters and Justin Patrick Pierce, and they are a couple. So I love that. I love that they're teachers of polarity and they are also in relationship together, really walk in the talk. And their energetic agility, as they have coined it, is there are three different types. You can be in relationship, three different um, pairs. You can be in alpha, omega, alpha, alpha, and omega, omega. Alpha, omega is the steamiest one. It's the hot one. It's the one you're in two opposite sides of the pole, which means uh, one person is taking the, you, um, for lack of a better way to put it, one person's taking the surrendering state and one person is taking the leading state you know, dom, sub, you can go even darker with it, with that kind of energy. Uh, one person is the, the leadership and one is the love light. One is full of pleasure and one is full of purpose. One is full of uh, movement, like the feminine. So being the energy, being the chaos, being, the, being in the pleasure. And then one is full of depth, breathing deep, sitting still. It's the opposite. So for the feminine, something that's very nur- nurturing is, that deep breath. Like there's nothing for me that turns me on like a man that can breathe in his lower belly and can kind of deepen his gaze as he looks at me and feel really depthful because that allows space for my flightiness, my airiness to become a fairy, to become an oracle, to dance around him. Like it gives me room because he's taking that opposite pole. It's polarizing me to the opposite. The deeper he goes, the more I go into my pleasure. So that is polarity we could look at this in many different ways ins and outs and there's ways that we actually can get into polarity from a fight and we can get into polarity um as an exercise of letting go of control and also taking control then there is omega omega which is like the best friends we do everything together we decide everything together no one's really leading we're both kind of just going with what sounds good that's great. There's a time for that dynamic, but it's not the sexiest dynamic. And then there's alpha alpha, which is also a great dynamic. It's the power couple. You run a business together. It's also very needed. You are both cooking together. You're making decisions together. It's really strong. It's directed. But again, it loses that polarity because no one is pulsing with pleasure. No one is doing the the surrendering and the leading and so there's no distance to travel so polarity is um one tool in the toolkit you don't need to have it at all times and i think that's one of the things that couples struggle with when they really get into this work is getting frustrated when when the man isn't always in the masculine and the female's not always in the feminine we're not meant to always be in these states That's why we have energetic agility, which is how we train ourselves when we need to be in Omega Omega. At the end of a long day, me and my boyfriend want to probably both be in Omega and Omega for a bit where we're watching TV and we're chilling and there's no expectation. During the day, we might both be in Alpha Alpha. We're getting shit done. I'm running my business. He's working on his stuff. And then when we come together and we have ample energy storages, we're going to go into polarity where I might go into the feminine be full of my pleasure and surrendering and then he's going to go into his masculine which might be more bossy and demanding and with love and like tell me what to do it's great so they're tools we can go in from one to the next to the next depending on what the moment calls for yeah and I, I think it's definitely um, a good distinction to say it's you know it's all with love it's going into these dynamics with love and seeing how you know, healing and nurturing the polarity can be in specific instances. Um, But I know you probably have to go, but thank you. I'll give a a quick answer about the old men. About the old men. Okay. I don't, I don't, don't, it just happened. You know, it just happened. I think, I think like um, when I was, when I was 20, I was dating people who were 35, 36, 37. When I was 25, I was dating people who were 37 still and then 26 27 I started dating people more around my age 
And then for some reason within the past year, all like, uh, I would say six men that I've had relations with have all been in their mid forties and they're just more grounded to me. They understand the polarity work a little more. They've learned a lot of life lessons. They've gone through the ringer. They've already been married or had a kid. So they, they've just learned a lot. And I, 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 there's, there's, um, there is a, there's this woman named Alison Armstrong and she writes about the different stages of being a man. Um, I forgot the first one. Maybe it's called Knight. I don't know. But then there's the, the, the prince and the king. And I'm looking for the king. You know, I, I, I think when I was 19, I was, I was really wise. And then 25, very wise. And then I'm so wise in my head at the same time that I know I know nothing. So like, I'm playing with both energies. I'm not saying that I'm the wisest person or I'll, the wisest I'll be. I'm fully aware that I know absolutely nothing. And I find tower. Ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I got so many shadows, but I also have a lot that I'm capable of doing in this world. And so therefore I've been looking for a match and a partner who can hold me and all of that kind of like makes me look like it makes me look like I don't really know what I'm doing because I'm with such a powerful human being. And it just so happens that a lot of the um, men that I've been attracted to and drawn to have been in their forties and they've been building their empire for a while and they're smart and they're successful. And it doesn't always mean financially successful, just successful in their spiritual life and in their energetics and they feel good and I feel safe. But uh, I've also been with a couple 20 something year olds and it's great too it's just depending on what's needed in that moment yeah I since since I've been in New Orleans I hung out with seven people that were in their 20s and it was just so so exhausting and um just stuff that I don't (laughs) I just don't want to deal with and I'm I'm so in a place now where Um, I'm 23 so I'm in a place where I'm like 35 sounds great like that's what I'm looking for 40 maybe Um, I actually did have a relation I I guess you would call it a relationship a thing with a 41 year old when I was like 22 and that was great (laughs) it's great there's so much to learn there it's just there's something about age to me that is so sexy I love age fucking love age anyone that's like in their 40s and you're flirting with someone who's in her 20s and she seems really mature and you like that, don't be, don't be hiding behind your age because we like it. It's like it's like that salt and pepper energy and, and actual salt and pepper look. It's so hot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, Great. I want a doctor or a neuroscientist that's in his 40s. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that sounds great too. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm going for, but... Yeah, he's out there. He's listening to this podcast right now and he's going to land in your DMs soon. I had a dream about this person last night. Um, I just started listening to your dream episode too and then I had a dream about this this neuroscientist man that was 40. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, in that podcast we talk about how dreams are just manifesting, manifesting in action. So maybe it's coming. Maybe it is. Maybe in Boston. There's a lot of there, probably. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Definitely. Well, this has been so, it's been so fun and just so, I don't, just so nurturing. Like, I just love Mm. this conversation. It's, I don't know, it's just been so great. I've loved talking to you. Oh, wonderful. It's a (laughs) pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on and asking such great questions. It's super fun. I think this is the first time I've podcasted with someone with my name. So that's cool. Definitely. It's it's interesting. I've met uh, maybe like one or two other Madelines, but I've never met another Madeline. I feel like that will be an interesting, an interesting thing for me. Yeah. I don't know if I know, besides the storybook, of course, I don't think I know any Madelines. That's cool. Yeah. That's I was named after the French, the French like girl in the book. Yeah. So. I love that. That's adorable. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome.